Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Guess who's back? Back again. KQ's back. <laughs> With the theories. I lost it. With I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. You did. I was going to say with a grin, mm. and that was just as bad in a different yeah. way. <laughs> but yeah, we're back. So welcome back. If you're a patron and you've just rolled right through them, you know. Hi. Hey. <laughs> and then also, if it's a week apart, we hope you had a great week. Yes, we do. Either way, hope you had a great week. I don't feel like for Patreon people, you know... Well, of course, I hope you had a great week. It's just you may not have had a week in between the two. Do you say what you mean and mean what you say? Okay. All right. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Fuck you. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> you gave me that space and freedom to do that. Okay, let's move on. I'm tired of talking about this. Okay. All right. So when we last left off, we basically just went through the whole entire cases for each person. So we've got Bryce Lespiza, Brian Schaefer. Yes. And they're both missing. And there are no answers. No. And under different circumstances, different things have happened here, different times in the world. So now we're going to talk about some theories. When adults go missing, there's always that question of, did they leave on purpose? Or yeah. it's either did they leave on purpose or not, you know? And then there's multiple facets of each of those, right? Right. Yeah. This could be a suicide we're looking at. It could be... It could be um, trafficking. Foul play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there could be all kinds of things. We want to look at all the possibilities because right now we don't know. And these are two cases where there's... real. Well, I think one of them, there's a good amount of evidence in one direction, but like it really could still be any of the above for both of right. them, you know? And yeah, I feel like there are a lot of... There's a lot of theories and speculation for both for everything. Yes. Like everybody seems to have, if you know about the case, you have an opinion and all of them is across the board. Exactly. All right. So the first one is going to be, did they leave on purpose? So let's kind of look at all of the, I don't know, kind of weigh each each one here. Brian was a second year medical student. His mom had just died after her battle with cancer. Medical school is, I wouldn't know, but I would assume very, very stressful. And there, I did also read in here that his real desire was to be a musician and that it was really his parents or his mom that kind of pushed him more into medicine. Mm. And then is it possible that she's not here anymore? I don't have to, I don't feel so obligated to kind of make her dream come true. Right. So maybe I do my own thing. And also, I just want to go back to you not knowing what medical school is like. Of course you don't because you dropped out of school. I'm not saying this is the reason, but one day you fell down at college and you left. Well, that's pretty much the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot of people saw it. You skinned your knee. You called me. I was on my way to cosmetology school and I was like, all right, I'm not going to go to school either. We got we to gotta go to Cracker Barrel about this. 
I couldn't walk in there and face everybody because they were literally like, oh my, like all down the, oh my God, are you okay? Like Ty from Clueless. Are you the girl that fell? Yes. And I was like, I have to get out of here. I cannot even go to class. (laughs) This is too embarrassing. So like your couple months stint in your community college was too stressful for you. So no doubt. Well, I don't know how many times Brian fell. Oh, that's true. See, and that, see, these are things that we, we need to know and we don't. We don't. We don't have the tally there. But is it possible that he just walked away from everything then? I mean, it is possible. And I feel like his life at that point was a little bit of a pressure cooker because he had a lot going on personally. Yeah, because I also... It seemed like he was handling it in a healthy way. But again, that's kind of the same thing as people saying, oh, well, they would never kill themselves. They just would never do that. Well, we don't know what goes on in somebody's mind. We just don't. Right. Because a lot of people also were like, you know, he you know, he was about to go on that trip with his girlfriend. He was going to propose to her. Like a lot of people said they thought he was going to propose that weekend, but there's no evidence of that. Mm-hmm. There was no ring that they found at the apartment. There's nothing in his like financial history that says he bought a ring, was making payments, anything like that. But I think it's easy to do that and kind of romanticize a situation after something tragic happens like this because it makes for a more, and I don't mean to sound so callous and whatever, but it makes for a little bit more of an interesting, not salacious, but kind of story Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, you know, on the eve of his proposal, you know, we don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe friends and family look at that and say, well, there's no way he would leave because he's making, like, they want to find reasons why this person wouldn't leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, so if there's anything for it, okay, he definitely was really stressed out because if he didn't really want to go to medical school and maybe he was feeling pressure to propose and he wasn't ready, Mm -hmm. did he just say, here's my chance for whatever reason? But, well, and I also heard from what I watched on it that he had told Alexis that he wanted to break up with her, break it off, and that she would be better off without him. Are you sure you're not thinking of Bryce? No, I swear. It was because I was like, wow, that happened. Both of them had the same situation happen. Hmm. I don't know. I hadn't heard that, but you and I looked, watched and read some different mm-hmm. things too. So that's definitely possible. Yeah, so, you know, was it just a little too much, Mm -hmm. you know? But the thing is, though, if that is the case, are you going to do that when you're hammered drunk Mm. and then pull it off in such a way that nobody knows what happened? Yeah, I don't... With Brian, I'm leaning, leaning more towards either foul play or an accident. Mm -hmm. I don't think that this was the moment that he seized to disappear himself. No, I don't either. Because you think he would have at least taken his car or something like... Yeah. Or his guitar, like he would have gone back to his apartment for... I don't know. It just... I don't think that he could successfully, maybe accidentally evade, but successfully evade the number of cameras they had at the bar when he left, being that drunk. Yeah, I think that there would be some sort of like a breadcrumb trail... There'd be something. I mean, you're just... Something. When you're that drunk, it's just really hard to... I mean, you you can barely... There's a lot of times you can barely make it to the bathroom without peeing all over the place, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. am I really going to be able to start an entire new life, walk away from this one and start an entire new life and nobody know? Nobody see me. Nobody, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't feel like that one holds up with Brian. Yeah. Well, okay. And I want to go back. Maybe what 
maybe what I'm remembering from what Brian said to Alexis was that he was holding her back or something. Mm. And well, and also, you're that far into med school. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to throw away. I mean, not to say that somebody wouldn't do it because if they're not happy, they're not and happy. Trilla, but... I feel like you're forgetting a little movie I like to call Center Stage. And Maureen was basically the prima ballerina and was literally about to graduate from the ABC or ABA. And she completely dropped out because I guess. just because she's good at something doesn't mean she her heart's in it. Well, that's true. She, her mom didn't have the legs and she didn't have the heart. Get out of here. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe he had the legs, but he didn't have the heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems like that's really far to go. Like, it's almost like you might be like, okay, well, I'll become a doctor and then I'll part-time start something else. Or I don't know. It just seems like a lot once you're that far in. I agree with you completely. Yeah, because it's just a lot of work to put into something. But yeah. Yeah, I just don't. I think with the fact that he disappeared while drinking so much, that that's kind of like, I mean, good luck to you, but I don't think that's going to work out. Somebody's going to see you. Somebody's going to figure it out. You're going to pass out. You're going to, you know, like, how are you even going to get that far? Right. I don't know. Okay, what about Bryce leaving on his own, though? Okay, so Bryce broke up with his girlfriend. He gave away his prized possessions. Then he had been behaving strangely leading up to his disappearance and said that he had something he wanted to talk about with his mom that was really important, but he never shared what. When his SUV was found, he had left behind, like we said, his cell phone, his wallet, all of his cards, his laptop, his duffel bag full of clothes, everything. So if you're going to want to disappear, wouldn't you probably want some of these things at least? I feel like you would not want your cell phone, your laptop, these things, but a change of clothes, like nobody can track that. Right, yeah. But, I mean, could he have gotten out of his car and walked to the truck stop and then hitched rides with people? It's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what if he'd walked to that... You walk to the truck stop, you get in the truck with a long-haul trucker, mm-hmm. you're gone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, who knows how many people they pick up. Totally. The only thing is with this kind of thing, mm-hmm. like, it, I mean, it gives me anxiety because of reasons, but how do you support yourself? How do you... Mm-hmm. I don't know. But his erratic behavior could have been partly due to his reported increase in the drug use and alcohol intake, which could have been what he wanted to talk about or could have been part of the reason why he left. The drug and alcohol use might not have been the only issue, though. Like, Brian was at the age where people tend to experience their first psychotic episode or a psychotic break. So could his drug use have enhanced or provoked a psychotic break or vice versa? I do wonder about the psychotic break just because of the way that he was acting in the way that he was talking. I don't... That's why it gave me that Mitrice uh-huh, yeah. feeling. The thing is, though, we don't have necessarily... All we know is that he was acting erratically. People people weren't giving specific details, so I don't know. Like, he was acting strangely and strangely enough to call his parents. But strange is such a... But what did he subjective, say? Like, every... Strange right. is different for everybody. Yeah, because there's, like, acting strangely, like, just... Okay, because there's two, I've read I've read a lot of stuff and people have, you know, some theories that maybe the reason that he disappeared had something to do with drugs or the reason that he was in Buttonwillow for so long was like he was waiting on a drug dealer or something like that. But there's no evidence of that being true. No, there's no evidence of that. But 
if you're acting strangely because you're like tweaked out or you're acting strangely because you're sick and you're waiting on a dealer to bring your stuff, Mm -hmm. that's different than, and maybe you're not telling somebody, I've gotten myself this deep or whatever. And now I'm feeling this way or I owe somebody for drugs or whatever it is. Right. And maybe you're acting strangely like he is not being totally truthful. He's making excuses for, you know, like, yeah, seems like he's hiding something. That's one thing. That it's a total other thing if the strange behavior is like Elisa Lamb saying things, leaving notes on people's beds. Paranoid, like, paranoia, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So which kind of strange was it? I don't think we're going to get that answer out of his family. Well, but the cops even. Yeah. They started out saying that he was acting erratically and then they changed their tune after talking to him for five minutes. Yeah. I would like to know what that specific behavior looked like. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that would give us another a piece bigger of piece puzzle. of the puzzle. Yeah. yeah, because it also reminds me a little bit of, you know, like you said, Maitreese Richardson and a little bit of Bruce Blackman, not obviously not to the point of Bruce Blackman, but was he saying things that were scaring people? Like, yeah, you know, talking about some kind of, we just don't know. Well, and I know that with Bruce Blackman, his roommates and friends that were going over to his house or whatever, they were concerned because he would just, he wasn't sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. Bryce. <laughs> like, right. I don't know if he was doing what he was doing in his car at home, if he was just sitting in the same position for hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is that erratic behavior? Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like that's such a big, like, when you're reading it and going through it, I don't know. I It did occur to me, you know, while I'm reading stuff, like, I wish I knew more about this behavior, but Mm -hmm. the more we talk about it, I'm just like, God, that's such a big missing piece. Like, exactly. And I think it's an important missing piece. Yeah, definitely. Because those differences in what strange or erratic can mean to different people is huge because that Mm -hmm. could lend itself to he was deliberately concealing something because he's trying to make his escape. Right. Or... He doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Because he's losing grip with reality or losing touch with reality. Absolutely. And those are two very different things. But, and this is the age that psychosis typically will set in, Mm -hmm. you know, the onset for a lot of people. If it was psychosis though, it only seems like the onset would have been over a few days. And Bruce Blackman was over the course of 45 days and that's an extremely fast onset. Mm Mm-hmm. But we only have the story with this starts a few days before. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long he was acting that way before his friend finally was like, okay, I'm going to call. But he'd only been dropped off at school two weeks before that. So he'd right. been at home for the full summer before. And are the parents, were they aware of it or are they talking about it? Right. Because that brings me, which is what we kind of talked about, discussed earlier, Phoenix, Colden. Mm-hmm. The story that you get from her parents, and I know that they love her, mm-hmm. the parents is a completely different story than you get from everybody else Every that was outside looking in. Yes. Exactly. And yeah, so it's not to say that their parents don't love them. It's not to say they may not even realize what they're doing. Right. But they think of it as care and protection when in reality it's, gosh, the only word I can think of is controlling, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's toxic. It's unsafe. It's yeah, emotionally unsafe. It's very. It's a lot of things, you know. And with him being an only child, I could t- I could see that, you well, know. Phoenix too. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of parallels. Yeah, a lot of parallels. Yeah. 
So that being said, I found this on a Reddit thread and several people have shared it on multiple threads on the case. So if you look up this case and you go down the Reddit rabbit hole, a lot of people have linked back to this particular comment. Hmm. So this person says, something of an insider here. I can say with certainty that there were issues between Bryce and his family. While Bryce's mother, Karen, and this is their words, not mine, is an unrepentant psycho, I'm told that Bryce had a tight, borderline codependent relationship with her in the years leading up to his disappearance, but not much is known about their relationship in the final year or so. His relationship with his father, Mike, was at times very tumultuous as Mike would lose his temper, yell, and scream at Bryce over things as trivial as not understanding how to complete his math homework. I also read in a few places that Bryce may have had not necessarily a learning disability, but just had trouble keeping up with some stuff. Like he had to work harder at it, you know? Yeah. And that may have been an area of tension with his family. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the relationship with ev- was ever physically violent, but there was most definitely a lot of verbal emotional abuse going on in that household and not just with Bryce. The latter part of Bryce's teen years were marred by a few incidents, such as getting busted with MDMA, as well as a lot of underage drinking issues that have gone largely unreported, all of which served to soil his familial ties. As I understand, Bryce was well on his way to becoming a teenage alcoholic. He was apparently known for taking booze to high school and spending some school days maintaining a desired level of intoxication. I can think of at least like five other dudes I went to school with that did the same thing. Yes, we literally discussed this a little bit earlier and it was not uncommon for somebody to bring in a water bottle that appeared to be full of water, but it was actually full of vodka. And yeah. I know that there was a while where some people, I don't know who personally, were taking vodka soaked tampons and inserting them into their rectums to get, because that bypasses your liver and it absorbs into your bloodstream. So it's not right, but it's okay. You know what I mean? Like it happens. <laughs> it just, yeah. it is what it is. And yeah. also if he was maintaining a desired level of intoxication, that's a coping mechanism. What was going on in yes. his personal life that he felt like he needed to- To numb. Yes, numb or, is the yeah. word. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. If that really was happening, if he's drinking to the point that his college age friends are concerned about it, yeah. Then if he's partaking in underage drinking. Hello, old Fred. <laughs> like, it's... That's from Clone High, by the way. Yeah. There's something going on there, you know? There's something... He's self-medicating for some reason. Yeah, there's a reason why you have to... The only way that you can survive the day is by getting drunk. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. Right. It's very safe to assume that his behavior continued to spiral out evidenced by his taste for Adderall and other scripts. That's another thing. I've definitely heard about the Adderall usage. I don't know about other stuff that he was doing. Well, Xanax is a big one. He was he was using Xanax? No, 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 no. I'm saying that sometimes Xanax and drinking goes hand in hand. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. I just didn't read anywhere where anybody was like, okay, he was definitely doing this or get any yeah, statements no. from police. I and just knew about the Vivance. I don't mean to put that out there as fact. I'm just saying like, if we're talking alcohol and prescriptions... Mm. Mm-hmm. I've heard of those going together, not necessarily specifically for this case. I'm just saying. Okay, gotcha. Let's see. His behavior continued to spiral out and he suffered a psychotic break from it, evidenced by his friends calling his mother with their concerns. It must have been some pretty disturbing behavior in order for kids who all use drugs recreationally to contact their friend's parents with concerns about his mental state. When Bryce left home to attend community college, he did not do so by his own motivation. 
Karen and Mike shopped around for what school he would attend, gave him no decision in the matter, and shipped him out when the school year began. The decision was in part based on the availability of dormitories as they wanted Bryce out of the home as soon as possible, which seems in keeping with what I know of their true quote-unquote parenting. They sent him to Sierra College in Rockland, California, which is a 460-mile drive from his parents' home in Laguna Niguel. Mike and Karen were both very controlling parents, the type that foster harsh, rebellious behavior from their kids. They sought to control every aspect of his life and use their money to do so. Bryce owned literally nothing of his own and was frequently reminded of it when he stepped out of line. To me, his actions were a great big fuck you to his manipulative, controlling, abusive parents. What better way to let them know that you're done than by intentionally wrecking their car and leaving behind all the accoutrement they paid for with their money and leveraged as a means of control. The time he spent in that small rural town was most likely waiting on someone to give him a ride. I believe the big story he wanted to tell his family was that he would be dropping out of school and moving elsewhere. I believe he wanted to say it to their faces, but chickened out and decided that he was just going to move on. I believe his family knows this and have used the media, friends, and so on to wage a pressure campaign against him. I believe the police have encountered him at some point and have respected a request for silence, thus leading them to their conclusion that he is, quote, voluntarily missing. So, and again, don't quote me on this. (laughs) I guess it's really stupid to say it out loud if I'm like, don't remember that I ever said this, but... (laughs) The relationship that it it appears by this, just here, what we just read from the Reddit rabbit hole, just from that and the dynamics of their relationship, it reminds me a lot of, do you remember Janelle from Teen Mom? Yes. And her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of control there. There's a lot of manipulation. There's a lot of both, like, toxicity on both ends. There's a lot of, like, I hate you, don't leave me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also read several other things that said that there was a, there's a Facebook group about Bryce or like, you know, to try to find Bryce or something like that. And it was not started by his parents, but his mom through very controlling, manipulative, not nice ways came to run this Facebook page or group now. Hmm. The need for control. Yeah, there's, and I can't, I cannot remember specifically what they said, but a lot of different people pointed that out that she basically bullied her way into taking it over um, or something like that. So Hmm. there's a lot, if you listen to her talk about their relationship, it's very paints a picture of we were super close, we told each other everything kind of thing. And it's I like must this not, smooth surface and then... Yes. Yes. I must not be a good reader of character because when I watched her talk about it, it felt genuine to me. And all these people were like, oh, the moment I saw her talking about it, I was like, she's holding something back. She's not telling something like, you know, and then they were like, if you're that close, why? And you want, you just want him home and like all this stuff and everything's okay. Why would you not go pick him up and like all this stuff? And mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think about any of that stuff, but... I wasn't seeing all this, but there's... Now, again, this is on Reddit, but there's multiple people that are saying the same kind of thing about her character or about her mm. attitude, maybe. I don't know, but I don't know. It's it's something to consider. Sure. And I think if it is true, I can understand it and it makes... It doesn't make sense to me, but I have seen this dynamic play out before where 
you want to maintain control, but you use it against them every chance that you can get to be like, well, you're not doing your part. You're not stepping up, but then they don't even give you the room to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And Mm -hmm. this kind of situation, much like Phoenix Colden, I'm like, if they were to both disappear themselves, why would they want to come back? Right. And, you know, not to get into too much and whatever, but toward the end of our mom living in our house, that's how it was for us. I mean, for both of us, definitely. But I was getting into college age and she was very wanting to control what I did for college. Mm-hmm. And it, be, you and I both have said so many times, and dad too, it felt like a prison. Mm-hmm. You dreaded coming home. You didn't want to come there if you didn't have to. I mean, we had to because we all lived there. We couldn't do anything right. If no. we did something that we thought was going to make her happy, she was pissed about it. We walked on eggshells. It was very, very volatile all the time and felt like you were walking on eggshells all the time. And it was just like, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear. And it was walking on eggshells to maintain a mediocre level of normalcy. It wasn't Mm -hmm. to make her happy because you couldn't. Exactly. Yeah. It was just like, just don't make it worse, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, she, that whole situation is the definition of, I hate you, don't leave me. Mm -hmm. And you get to a point where, None of that ever occurred to me that I could just leave. I, you know, I wouldn't know how to, but well, because she made you feel like you couldn't. <laughs> yeah. But when you go through something like that for that long, and if what people are saying about Bryce's relationship with his parents is true, then maybe he goes away to college. He's meeting new people. Maybe he runs into somebody that says, Hey, if you need you a way out, start I got, a new life. Yeah. Got an idea for you. Get a burner phone. With Phoenix Colden, we know she had a burner phone because of that extra... The bill. The phone bill. We don't know that about Bryce, but for somebody to walk away from a car crash like that and not take a phone, I mean, what it, it's like it's like four something in the morning, maybe, you know, five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd think you'd want your phone just in case. I feel like he had to have a burner phone that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. I think he did. I don't know. And I wonder if the reason he sat in Buttonwillow for so long was because he was waiting on a ride. Mm-hmm. Somebody that he knew that his mom wasn't associated with. He was obviously saying goodbye to everybody. He broke up with his girlfriend. He wasn't just going to leave her without Well, no, and he told his her. friend Sean, hey, you've been the best to me. Thanks so much for everything. Which sounds very much like a goodbye. It is a goodbye, yeah. Uh-huh. And then he was just waiting on that ride to get there. This person either got hung up in traffic or I don't know what. Or maybe they were coming from a a long way away. Yeah, but he definitely was waiting for something. Yes, he's waiting for something. Some people have said that maybe he was so bad on drugs that he was waiting for his drug dealer there. I just don't, I don't buy that because I know that the police didn't do a complete physical examination of him, but I don't understand. If you are that messed up on drugs, you would be showing some physical signs. Mm -hmm. And if he was sick from it, you'd be showing some physical signs. But also, kids who get Vivance, where do they get it from? Other kids at school. Yeah, I was going to say they just get it from like other people that they know, right? I don't know the stats on this, but from what I know from like when Andrew was in college, there's got to be like one in 10 kids is on Vivance or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Because you couldn't walk into any apartment in that school 
and somebody not have a script that you could bum it, buy it from. Mm-hmm. And they all did. You're not going to go to a random town two something hours away from your house, two to something hours away from your Vyvanse. campus. Right, to buy Vivance when you could literally probably ask one of your roommates, hey, can I get one off you? Yeah, exactly. Like that just didn't make any sense to me. Mm-mm. And I don't see any evidence that he was on any other type of drug. Right. So I think he probably had a burner phone. I think he was waiting on a ride. Yeah. That's kind of where I lean on Bryce. Well, so do you want to talk about maybe the suicide aspect? Yeah. Okay. So while the theory of suicide is briefly considered in Brian's case, it wasn't nearly as prominent as the other theories. But Bryce, on the other hand, as we mentioned, had been having very behaving very differently than anyone who knew him was used to. So if the drug use or alcohol or a psychotic break were happening, maybe Bryce was suicidal. Either he had been considering it or the start and that started with self-medicating or he started using and drinking and or having some sort of mental issues that made him feel like suicide was his only option. So maybe he felt trapped. And maybe that, I mean, we already talked about how, you know, he was basically saying his goodbyes, giving away his possessions. So that doesn't necessarily, goodbyes don't mean disappearing yourself. Goodbyes could very easily mean suicide. Right. So could the hours he spent on the side of the road be him debating whether or not he was really going to go through with it? Mm-hmm. Could the crash, the SUV be crash, have been... Yeah. Because like we said, if you look over that outlook, it looks like you're going straight into right. the water. And you could not know until you get in the situation that you would be hitting an embankment and not water. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't anywhere near the car. Mm-mm. And like... I don't know. I just, he's never been found. Mm-mm. Nobody's ever heard from him. Like, yeah, I feel like that's completely strange. I would think if suicide was the option for him that he had chosen, he would have attempted in a different way, maybe. He would have followed through with, I don't know. It's so strange to me that he just like disappeared without a trace after that, if suicide was the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, feel like, and I again, I don't know the stats on this, but I, I'm i not sure that, I just, I don't think that I've heard of many people being like, well, he attempted suicide a couple of times and then we just never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's attempting it and they, they're not successful, they typically are going to end up in a psychiatric facility and then they're going to end up back with, in the care or with people, at least in contact with the people that yeah they're close to, friends family, loved ones, whatever. Well, it just seems like, do people attempt it? They don't succeed. And then they say, well, I guess I could just leave. Yeah, I don't. That's what I'm like, not, I'm not fully on board because with that. I don't get it. Because the point is to end your life. Right. Not to end your connection with the people that you're Absolutely. around. Absolutely, yeah. So I don't think that you're like, well, that didn't pan out. So maybe I'll try this route instead. Yeah. I also think if, so, okay, I guess I'm plainly devil's advocate here. But if he was going to disappear, don't you think, wouldn't he, wouldn't it make more sense to sell the Xbox, to sell the diamond earrings? Yes, that's what I was thinking, to give him like a little nest egg to get started. Pocket that money because he doesn't have any of his own money. Yeah, that doesn't make that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. However, I know that there are I mean, there are people who have made themselves disappear. Well, Charlie, here's why you're wrong. And I'm going to go ahead and cut you off, right? No, I'm kidding. I don't really know what you're about to say. So 
There are people who have made themselves disappear who just kind of ended up somewhere. They end up applying for a job. Like they start out. Some people, some people do make themselves disappear and they live homeless. Well, and I have heard about and seen different articles where, because where he ended up, oh my God, it's not Caspian Sea. Now I can only think of. Oh, because like the Castaic Little Mermaid. Yes. That was in a state park or near, very near a state park. People go missing in state parks all of the time. There are thousands of people that have just disappeared into state and national parks. Hmm. You never see them ever again. Wow. There are articles about yeah. it. I mean, it happens. I feel like for you or I who we don't do outside have nightmares about well, have nightmares about breaking a rule. Oh, sure. You know, like, oh my God, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. Like I get caught up in this in traffic all the time. You know, like when you wanna turn left, but you're too far back in that lane mm. to where the there's the white line that you can get over and turn, like where it's the designated turn lane. Yeah. That middle lane is there and I can scooch around these people all I want. They're not turning. They're just sitting here going straight, but I won't go until it's until it opens yeah. because I'm afraid I'm going to get go to jail for it. Well, yeah, because I know as soon as I if as soon as I chance it, here's a whoop whoop. And then I'm like, well, there exactly. You go. It's like in what? Yeah. Harold and Kumar where they're like, <laughs> you're not going to get in trouble. There's nobody around for jaywalking. And he takes one step off of that sidewalk and it's like 40 cops. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, that's what I imagine. I'm like, the moment I cross over into that middle lane and they're like, she's not turning here. She's going up to well, the turn lane. I don't know if I need to bring this up again, but I'm gonna. That time that I went to fucking Carthage and I wasn't even doing anything wrong. I pulled over into the city hall parking lot because I was dating some stupid ass guy and we were in the middle of an argument and I was like, we're not gonna go to your mom's house while we're having this argument, we need to stop right now and we need to just talk about this and hash it out. And all we're doing is sitting there just having a conversation. And then I look up and there are five cop cars surrounding my car. <laughs> and everybody that drove by was like, drug yes. us. And that's the reason because <laughs> I had out of county plates. Out of county plates. Out of county plates. And they tore my shit apart looking for drugs. Oh my God. I was like, if y'all need to do a full body cavity search, I go, I, I have nothing to hide here. I literally am just having a conversation with this guy. Yeah. And they're like, well, what are you doing here from Rutherford County? <laughs> it's like, I'm allowed to go to different counties, you dipshit. Yeah, that's the beauty of having a car. Mm-hmm, yeah. It can cross county yeah. lines. <laughs> I guess I must have gotten through the invisible force field that you guys have for fucking Smith County, you dumb shits. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it doesn't make much sense. But okay, so I know that there this could very well be a completely made up memory for me, but Bryce did break up with his girlfriend. I do think that Brian was like, listen, I think I'm holding you back again. I could be making that up, but I don't think that I am. But Bryce 100% did break up with her, even though he went to her house directly after that. But which also doesn't make sense. No. And it sounded like she was not doing another. No. Yeah, he spent the hours on the side of the road. Was he debating with himself? Was it kind of like a Conrad mm -hmm. situation where he's like, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Who knows? When his Highlander was found, it appeared to two investigators that the SUV went over the embankment, didn't have any brakes. That seems to me like it was a planned throw himself off of the embankment to try to possibly hit the water. 
I don't know. But I feel like, too, he's going in circles around that area. Mm-hmm. So is that the debating with himself thing or is that the waiting for somebody to get here and I'm just trying to be on the move because I'm tired of these fucking people coming over to where I was parked telling me to get out of here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. We will never know. It's so weird. It's so strange. It's so weird. But let's talk about the possibility of foul play. Okay. So since neither Bryce nor Brian has turned back up ever, the obvious and sad intuitive leap is that they encountered foul play. Brian was out late at a bar in an area that was known for being high crime. Could Brian have left the bar without his friends and then run into something nefarious? One theory online suggests that Brian started chatting with the band while they were packing up their gear. Perhaps the staff closed down the bar and weren't concerned with Brian thinking that he was with the band. Doors get locked. Brian was still outside with the band. He walks out with the band and staff and then encounters something. It's also, and this is kind of an interesting one, a theory that he slipped out the emergency exit and into the construction area that was very hazardous. It was described in some reports as dark and chaotic. And this area theories consider Brian could have fallen in a hole and then was covered up with cement. It's awful. And that theory suggests that people, perhaps the construction workers showed up the next morning and found him injured or dead and fearing the repercussions, maybe just like hid the evidence by covering up with cement. But the theory crumbles when you consider that to have died and been covered up with cement you'd have to think that multiple people at the construction site agreed to it and were like, we're taking this to the grave. We're never going to talk about this ever again. Well, yeah. And there's that saying, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. Absolutely. When you start getting multiple people involved, Involved, it's very, very unlikely. Yeah. Very unlikely. And absolutely. also, I would imagine that if somebody shows up to work one morning and there's a dead guy who's fallen, mm-hmm. you just call 911 immediately. Well, because if the situation at the construction site was as bad as some reports say it was, and if they had the proper signage, mm-hmm. they did everything up to code, they don't have any repercussions with that. That's an accidental death. Right. Yeah. They, your hands would be clean. And you'd also think about like what kind of... There's got to be something in you if you could do that, especially that many people that's like... I mean, wouldn't you be thinking about like... He's not going to get buried this way. His family's mm-hmm. not going to know what happened to him this way. Right. Like, there's so many things that would weigh on somebody that I just don't, I don't know that it just doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Or what if he just never left the ugly tuna saluna? See, that's what, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, is it like a grave encounter situation? Oh. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking like a Lisa Lamb situation. Like, where are the water tanks? Oh, that's a better one. But I mean, eventually somebody would have figured that out because that's how she was figured out too. But this has been years and years and years later. Yeah, yeah. and it's closed now. So everything's been, I don't know if it's been torn down or what, but I don't know. I was just thinking like, what if there was something that he went upstairs rather than downstairs because he was incapacitated and didn't know what he was doing and where he was. Right, yeah. I don't know because the thing about did he leave with the band, I mean, that, that exit also had a surveillance camera. And the band didn't remember anything no. about him. No, they didn't remember anything about him. They did say, though, that there were some girls with them who had gotten into a quote-unquote confrontation with a guy at closing time. Mm-hmm. And the guy kind of matched Brian's description, a tall, skinny guy mm-hmm. who was getting a little 
either handsy or a little too flirty. And they were like, what are you doing? Get away from me. That was the extent of the confrontation. Mm. But but where does that theory and situation go? Is that it? That theory would then maybe put him having left that back entrance, walking out by himself, obviously not meeting back up with Meredith and Clint, and then possibly running into foul play. Mm. But not having to do with the band or the girls. Yeah, that isn't... Just breaking off, like starting out with that group and being like, okay, I'm hanging out with them. And then that happens. He's no longer feeling welcome with this group. Mm -hmm. And so he begins to walk by himself. There are apparently also people who... There are predators for his demographic. What does that mean? Which scares the shit out of me. People who want to either attack or sexually assault or whatever it is. College age men. What, cis gender men? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, man, no one's safe anymore. I thought that they were like, I thought that, that demographic was the um, the safest demographic in the whole world. I don't think, I mean, maybe still the safest, but. But I mean, according to, uh, compared to what, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, did somebody or did somebody, I wish they had tracked down every person that was at that bar. Well, yeah. I feel like one thing that is really frustrating to me in this, multiple things, but this is one thing that's really frustrating is the police kind of put it out there that they thoroughly searched and investigated and interrogated, interviewed everyone that was at this bar. Mm -hmm. When in reality, they were like, hey, were you there? Did you see him? No. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like it was very surface, very shallow in interviews. Right. And like what... (laughs) What else did you see, though? Yeah. Who else did you talk to? Well, and we've discussed that before. Just because you don't find it pertinent information doesn't mean it's not pertinent information. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times, cases are solved because of things that you don't think is pertinent. Well, that's why you do an ocular pat-down of everybody you see and you write down multiple random facts about them just in case you're called to be interrogated. Yeah, damn right I do. (laughs) The, what was I going to say? Oh, so what I'm wondering is, and I mean, this could be like really far-fetched, but you know, okay. But we're talking about theories. I mean, anything goes, right? Okay, so this is a bar that a lot of Ohio State people go to. Alexis is called Ohioans. I don't know. Alexis is also a medical student there. Mm-hmm. She was not in town. What if there's some guy who was into Alexis or a friend of Alexis or whatever? She's not there. He's there. He sees Brian flirting with other girls. This pisses him off. He confronts mm-hmm. him afterwards. They get into a fight. Mm-hmm. something happens and he hides his body. Like, do we have anybody else at the bar that was connected to Alexis, that was connected to Brian in a different way? Do we know that? Like, yeah, you know, like it, it could be something as small as that. Or fuck, I've heard cases of like, there was this one guy who murdered another guy like eight years after the fact when the one guy did something he wasn't supposed to and got kicked out of a fraternity that he was in. And the guy who told on him is the guy that he killed like eight years later out Mm -hmm. of nowhere. I mean, people have killed for less. So, well, and when that kind of stuff, I always think, I mean, because it's, it's, yeah, I was going to say like people have killed for less. Like that doesn't, you have to think about every aspect that could have happened or that could be possible because sometimes the reality is way outside of your train of thought that you could even think could be possible. 
Yeah. But then I think about, because of reasons, I hope this makes sense, Richard Kuklinski, for some reason, he is entirely very interesting to me. Like, I cannot wrap my mind around the things that he did and why. But he would kill people just because they bumped into him and they said they were sorry. Hmm. If they gave him a dirty look, that's all it took. He was like, I was out looking for somebody to kill. So all it took was one little slip up and that was it for me. People are loose cannons sometimes and you never know what's going to set them off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about, it reminds me of the Aaron Hernandez case. The two people Mm. that he shot outside the bar were because, what, because one guy ran into him or something? Like it was something really stupid. Yes. See, that's the thing. It's like trivial little things that, I mean... I used to work with a girl who her, it was her stepson or her step cousin or something. Her husband's nephew was in the car with somebody. They were driving. They, it was like a road rage type of situation. They accidentally pulled out in front of somebody. It was a total accident. They let him pass. They go to a gas station. That car followed them, got out and shot him. What? Mm-hmm. Shot the driver dead. The nephew survived. Oh my gosh. And that was in Woodbury, like years ago. Holy shit. Yep. There's just so many things. Like I've seen so many just like really bad bar fights start because like a guy like bumped into another guy's toe and they're just like testosterone and drunk and like- Oh yeah, I was gonna say drinking involved and they gotta- they Coming at me, dude. Coming at me. Yeah, they get all puffed Mm -hmm. up. They start chirping and then, you know, shit goes down. Yeah. Yeah, so could it have been something like that? I saw you hitting on those girls at the bar. I wanted to hit on them. I saw mm-hmm. you hitting on those girls at the bar and I know your girlfriend. I'm going to tell mm-hmm. her. And mm-hmm. then an altercation happens and then Brian falls and hits his head and he's like, oh, fuck. You know, I mean, it, there's just, there's so many things that could be and we need to speak to every single person at that bar. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all starts. And if you've got everybody on video, then surely you can identify a good bit of them at the very least with their bar tabs. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I just, yeah. it is crazy. But I do feel like, so with, we spoke a lot about Brian and Mm -hmm. foul play. Let's talk about Bryce and foul play. So Bryce, his main foul play theories involved LaMondre Miles, the burning body that they found near where Bryce went missing and the truckers, the truck stop. So Bryce wound up at the Castaic Lake around the time that another murder took place. It has been considered that perhaps this wasn't a coincidence. Maybe Bryce witnessed something that he shouldn't have and maybe he was murdered. It is interesting to me, though, because if Bryce had witnessed LaMondre being murdered, they didn't do such a great job to hide LaMondre's body. Yeah. Why would they get it right with Bryce? Right. Why would they not just burn both of the bodies? Absolutely. Well, and I don't know. Bryce's behavior leading up to this... See, that cannot, because I feel like what happens is, and we'll talk about this too, like in the Cecil Hotel series, but there's a difference between a set of coincidences and a string of instances that create a pattern that you can't mistake for coincidences. Right. Like if this were flip-flopped and this was Brian going missing in the same area, like say this burning body had been found near that bar or whatever, But Brian's night happened exactly the way that Brian's night happened, but he stumbled upon a burning body. Exactly. That would be one thing. And then I Mm -hmm. could probably be like, well, that's probably, that 
adds that to a more likely scenario for me because... Absolutely. You know, but Bryce seemed like he was leaving or he was not planning on living anymore. Absolutely. There were just so many... He was... I mean, he sat still for nine hours. Yes. You know, and then and then he stumbles upon a random murder happening. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels very unlikely mm-hmm. given the the circumstances. There's also the theory that maybe he hit his head and didn't know who he was, had a head injury. I mean, I've seen Desperately Seeking Susan. It could happen. I haven't seen that. What is I knew you hadn't. Oh. I, as soon as I said it, I knew. It's got Madonna and Alexa, no, Roxanne Arquette in it. Mm. And Roxanne Arquette, she is this like housewife that is like longing for, she's very Reba is her life out there, right? She doesn't have kids, but she's like kind of over the situation that she's in. Well, she sees this ad in the paper and it's this guy who every time he comes into town, wherever he is, he writes to des- to Susan. And his thing is desperately seeking Susan. Well, Susan is played by Madonna and she's very like leaf blown in the wind, does what she wants, super cool. So Roxanne Arquette, she falls because somebody's following her because she buys a jacket in a vintage store that Madonna had just sold. And so she's like, I'm going to be alternative now and I'm going to be whatever I want to be. So she puts this jacket on, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the guy follows her. She's running from him. She trips and falls, bumps her head. She forgets who she is. And then she like kind of assumes Susan's identity because she finds a bunch of stuff in the pockets that Susan forgot to take out. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So she's completely got amnesia. But so she's trying to figure out who she is. And the only clues that she has are what Susan has left behind by accident. Mm. So in that situation, would Bryce's clues not be all of his own shit in his car? You would think. Yeah, and then he sees his wallet and he's like, my name is Bryce Pizza. Yeah, this is my phone. There's a number in here that says mom. Maybe I should call that. Exactly. I don't think that you hit your head, you forget who you are, you look around you, you see everything that you've got going on and you're like, you know what? I, instead of using these clues, I'm going to set off on my own. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to find my, <laughs> I'm going to figure it out on my own. Yeah. I don't want this to just be handed to me. Like, that's too easy. I got to do this myself. Yeah. To me, that doesn't make sense either. I know. That's the thing about theories, though. They're sometimes so far-fetched that you're like, are you kidding me right now? But people think that they could be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how about here's another one that can't be true. Okay. What about the smiley face killers? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on this because no, it doesn't need it. But this was discussed for... Brian, not Bryce, mm-hmm. but it really could fit either one in the sense that it doesn't fit either one. But <laughs> it's so stupid that it doesn't make sense for either of them. Yeah. That's why it makes sense for both of them. Right. So after the death of a man named Patrick McNeil in 1997, he was a college student who drowned in New York City. This was originally ruled as an accident due to being drunk, but Detective Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Examine the information available and they came to a different conclusion. They promised his parents that they were going to prove that he was a victim of homicide. Somebody has murdered him. I literally feel like it's a case of inflated egos and they're doing it at the expense of a family. Yes. Yes. So here's what they decided. They developed the theory that there was a crew oh, of serial killers across mm-hmm. the nation 
Is this what Suicide Squad? Is that what we're talking about? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on. Who would drug college-aged men at bars or parties and then kidnap them to torture and kill them and then dump their bodies into nearby bodies of water. They discovered that many cases in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Iowa, there were smiley faces spray-painted across or like near the dump location. They publicly announced this theory in 2008, and a couple cases were reclassified as homicides, but there have been skeptics in this theory for good reason. In the spray-painted smiley faces, there are literally not one consistency in any of them. The paint colors, the sizes, the style, none of them are the same across the cases. Multiple agencies investigated the cases to see if there are links, but none of them could determine a credible link between the cases. Well, and you know what? If you're going to maybe freelance as a like graffiti artist, mm-hmm. what's an easy thing to draw? Smiley face. Yeah, even I could do that. Yeah, a stick figure with a smiley face on it. Like mm-hmm. that does not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> and here's another. Maybe they're a, Nir- a Nirvana fan. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like the other thing is the proximity between the smiley face and the body. <laughs> Could be feet, could be Mm. miles, could be states (laughs) apart. That's literally the biggest stretch of all times. It's like trying to force it to fit. Mm -hmm. That is ridiculous in the worst way. Yeah. And again, like dragging a family through something and giving them false hope when there's no reason for it. Right. Well, and not even that, but what about this? None of the bodies that were found had any evidence of torture or anything like that. It was really clear that the men had been intoxicated Hmm. and there was clear documentation that both women and men would fall into these bodies of water where the victims were later found because of intoxication. It happens. We've already discussed that. I mean, my gosh, I just do not understand how it's possible for certain investigators to be like, well, but do we really need evidence? I mean, right. If you really want to see it. Yeah. Like there there was a smiley face on a bridge here. And don't you think it's really weird that there was a body found um, in Georgia? And we're kind of close to Georgia. So don't you think oh that like God. fits? I mean, it's just... No, totally. It's really I, crazy. Trella, but I drew a smiley face like six years ago. Oh my God. And there was somebody murdered the other night. You're the smiley face killer. You're one of them. I know. Because I Because it's a group. It's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't, it literally does not make It's just any so sense. insane to me. My gosh. Yeah. So basically, that's where we are with everything. Mm-hmm. There's not even been any credible tips. Mm-mm. I mean, I don't know. So I guess final, final notes. I feel like, like Brian, I guess let's do Brian first. Mm-hmm. I feel like, Because of how intoxicated he was, I don't think accident because I think he would have been found. Mm -hmm. I don't think he disappeared himself because I think he was too drunk. Yes, I think it had to have been foul play and I just can't exactly say what happened. I don't think that it was him being buried in cement. No. But I do think that he met foul play at some point because he would have been an easy target if you think about it that way. Right. He was incredibly incoherent, mm-hmm. incapacitated. He would have been vulnerable. Been vulnerable, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So now, we're Bryce, in agreement there. I think so. Yeah. Bryce, I think, disappeared himself. I think he did too. 
I do. I really do. And the other thing that I was thinking about was the police in Bryce's case have closed his case. Mm. And if you listen to... So one of the things that I listened to was the captain on Truth and Justice, Bob Ruff hosts it. They were talking about the case. So this wasn't on True Crime Garage, but you know, just another interview. But he was saying mm-hmm. that in a missing persons case, when they are able to locate the person, if the person does not wish to be found or contacted by family, friends, whoever opened this case or reported them missing. Mm -hmm. If they don't want to be found, the police have no obligation to tell those people, we found him, he doesn't want to talk to you. They don't have to say any of that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Right, but they do have to close the case. Mm -hmm. So if we know everything we know and if any of it is true or even partially true about his relationship with his family... If they did come into contact with him and he said, I don't want to be found, and they said, all right, enough said. You're safe. You're a grown-up. We get it. Case closed. Mm -hmm. I mean, his case is closed. And the detective in his case says, I am 100% positive. I know in my heart he is out there alive. Mm -hmm. He fully believed this was voluntary. Mm -hmm. So is the closing of the case symbolic of we talked to him And we feel good enough about closing it because we feel that we talked to the real Bryce Mm Espiza. He is safe. He does not want to be contacted. Right. Now, when we discussed this earlier, I said, I mentioned the Millbrook twins because Uh the police in that area said, we've had people who have laid eyes on them. They wanted to disappear themselves. We're going to close the case. However, there is a racial element to that. And I feel like that's the difference. Yeah. I feel like the police in the Millbrook twins case Unfortunately, as wrong as it is, and it's wrong all day long, nothing good about it. And these people should not be in positions of power or no. in positions of authority in the justice system. No. I don't think that they give, gave two shits about these girls. They didn't. So they were like, we're not going to investigate further. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. But you can close a case and it not be closed. That's all I'm saying. Right. But there is a difference. I think that I'm like explaining myself, but also being like, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> Well, okay, but here is a question that now I'm just thinking about. If the police did talk to him and they know that the last thing that he did was crash the fuck out of that car, mm-hmm. do the police have an obligation to like Oh, to like you left the scene of an accident? For, like, yeah. yeah. Could they try him for that or get him for that? Or by the time they did contact him, has it the statute, statute of limitations, limitations passed? Like I don't sure. know. I, I do wonder about that now, just thinking about that, because it's not yeah. like he just walked away. I mean, he crashed that car and he walked away from that. <gasps> It's rehab. <laughs> Bartender really did. Remember, it crashed that piece of shit and then stepped away. You sure did. Trella, I think we busted this wide open. I know. Sure it's did. rehab. It's rehab. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's another element to think about if they closed it because they found him. And, you know, I mean, he did break the law mm-hmm. by leaving the scene of a cr- an accident. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they would Who then, can know? Yeah. We got to talk about it all, right? So that's what we're yeah, doing. So maybe then they haven't talked to him. Like, I don't know. It's just, I just wonder. All right, so wrapping up, we're going to give the information, you know, who to call and and all the things. So Brian Randall Schaefer was 27 years old when he disappeared on April 1st, 2006, and he would now be 42 in 2021, which is when we're recording this. I will be honest, that hurts my feelings. Hurts my feelings a little bit, yeah. He was 6'2 and weighed about 165 pounds when he vanished. He had light brown hair and occasionally wore glasses. He has a Pearl Jam stick man tattoo on his right bicep, 
And I didn't know what that was. So there's pictures of it on the internet and Mm -hmm. a black spot in his left iris. If you have any information about Brian's disappearance, you can call area code 614-461-TIPS or 877-645-8477. And Bryce Laspisa was 19 years old when he disappeared August 31st, 2013, and would be 27 years old in April 2021. He was 5'11 and about 175 or 170 pounds, excuse me, when he disappeared. He has bright red hair and green eyes, and he has pierced ears and a large tattoo of a Taurus bull, like the zodiac sign, mm-hmm. Taurus bull on his left shoulder. And if you have any information about Bryce's disappearance, you can call Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office, three area code 323-890-5500. There's a, also a family tip line, which is area code 949-292-4400. And Crime Stoppers, which is 800 222 tips. Or you can email the family tip email, which is findbricelespiza at gmail.com. Yes. Well, that wraps it up, man. And we would love to hear you guys's, like y'all's theories on it. I mean, what do you think happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because again, one of the biggest things that we love to talk about whenever we talk to people about cases that we've covered is what did we miss? Did you see something that we missed? Tell us. Yeah, I mean, because there's so many things about all these cases, you know, that are just like, mm-hmm. there's no way you could read all of it Mm-mm. to get ready for a case. So yeah, if there's something that you know, or maybe you knew one of them growing up or, you know, like maybe you know something, we'd definitely be interested. But I think we said this in the last episode about, you know, joining our Facebook groups and stuff like that. But in our Patreon group, we're going to go live this coming week. So check that out in there just to talk more about it and see what you guys think and hear what your thoughts on the case are and respond to those. And if you have questions or have something that you want to say, like, you know, so that'll be in the Patreon group. So if you want to talk more about this and kind of hear our other thoughts and theories and whatever, then then check it out. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, before we are done for the D, we have some Hey Girl Thanks to do. I've been watching a lot of Shits Shits Creek. Oh, God. What is Shits Creek? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, Shits Creek, slightly hyperactive cousin. Oh, Shits Creek. Mm -hmm. Okay. I actually like saying it better. But anyway, keep going. Okay. Uh, So, Hey Girl Thanks to some of our newer patrons. Thanks to Ariel Madison. Dana Leal Cisneros, Rachel Wadsworth, Melanie Faust, Morgan Poignant, I think, Jessica Sousa, Victoria Pearson, Taylor Early, Raquel De Jesus, Harriet Holsby, Nicole Jackson, Ashley Wage, Shannon Watermolin, and I wanted to say watermelon so bad. Well, yeah, watermelon. And she's probably like, dear God, shut up. <laughs> DW, are you any relation to Arthur? <laughs> Joy Calbreth, Carrie DeCarteret, Lexi, Blair Martin, Brianna, Mary Kate Miles, Johan Jefferson, Amy Kosareff, Alyssa Leber. I'm going. I'm coming with a French theme vibe today. I don't know. Yes, it's okay. Jacqueline Hayner, Sarah, Hannah Jones, Tracy Mazurek. Sarah Stevenson, Julissa Franco, Denon Bloom, Julia Pope, Sarah Granby, Lynn Evans, Genevieve Twi- Twing, 
I was like, I bet she says twig. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> came out of nowhere. <laughs> Courtney Jones. Crystal Wagner. Daniel Danielle Perez. Damn it. Sarah C. Jenna Mamone. Brooke Visser. Rebecca Mitchell. Lena. Alicia Broussard. Jen. Jackie Lee Wright. Danielle Police. Heather Punt. Danielle Ward. Katie Whitaker. Lauren Otwell. Malia Swift. Marisol Acuna. Kayla Brower. Kristen Purvis. Grace Miller. Lauren Preacher. Peacher. Britt Holland. Kate. Jessica Dye. Virginia. And Lucy Grimshaw. You guys, thank you. And we, you know, we hope that your names were not, uh, what is it, not injured, um, harmed in the recording of this uh, show. Okay. Yes, exactly. So sorry. Yeah, we, uh, we're very sorry for, we, we know not what we do. <laughs> but if you've been listening for a while, I think you're pretty used to it by now, which is yeah, you should be. kind yeah. of sad. Yes. Well, we love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 